Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome in to the Mass and All Access podcast brought to you by Toyota. For legendary safety and reliability, choose Toyota and let's go places. Welcome in to the Mass and Web Studio. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Wednesday afternoon. As a couple holidays are getting underway, we're a couple days away from Christmas, just a week over away from the new year. Amy, how's your shopping list looking? Oh, not good. Bobby. Oh, no. <laughs> it is, I think this is the most behind I've ever been. And mm. there's simply no excuse for it. Really? Like, I just I just have not been on my P's and Q's. I know my nan that watches this podcast is probably Uh-oh. sitting at home like Amy because she's so on top of everything. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It'll get done. Yeah. How's your list looking? I'm actually okay. Uh, I'm, I'm doing, I guess, better than you are right now. <laughs> I only have a couple more things to cross off, uh, but I'm um, looking pretty strong. We just did our, uh, my in-law side of the family, like uh, all the siblings and spouses do uh, a secret Santa. Oh, um, fun. And uh, my wife's younger brother and his wife were in town and they leave the day before Christmas Eve. So okay. we did our gift swap this past Sunday. So I got that out of the way. So that's one down off, um, off the list. And then, um, uh, yeah, I've got some more stuff coming up this weekend, but are you a in person shopper or are you online shopping? I'm an in person shopper. It'd probably be easier if I was an online shopper. Um, but then you have to plan in advance right. and that just wasn't happening. So. Make sure everything's <laughs> yeah. arriving before Christmas yeah. day. I don't Christmas love Eve. to shop, but I've, if I'm going to do it, I do right. it in person. Or do you go in person holiday. or are you online? I do a little bit of both. Okay. Um, if I think far enough ahead, I'll do online. Um, but yeah, for last minute stuff like that, I actually enjoy going to malls. Like Really? Montgomery Mall, Columbia Mall. Uh, I grew up around Wheaton Mall in Montgomery County. So like, I like kind of in person. I like kind of like the rush. Like it's like... Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's kind of like a game. Like, you've got to find the perfect gift or, right. like, you know, you got to figure out who has what. Um, so, yeah, I do a little bit of both. i got to do, I think, some maybe some in-person shopping over the next couple of days. Yeah. I'm definitely it. heading to the mall right after this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know who did some shopping over the night was <laughs> the New York Mets and owner Steve Cohen. Uh, we're across to talk a lot more about the Nationals throughout the course of this podcast, but we could not not reference just what happened over the last 12 to 18 hours, starting with, you know, Carlos Correa had agreed upon a, a record historic 13 year, $350 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. They had a press conference scheduled for Tuesday afternoon. There was reports coming out that the Giants canceled that because of some issues with Carlos Correa's physical. And then less than 12 hours later, overnight, literally overnight, while everyone was sleeping, we wake up and find out now he has agreed to a 12 year, 200 um, and 15 million, 300, excuse me, 315 million dollar deal with the New York Mets. Steve Cohen strikes again. You can say whatever you want about Scott Boris, but that man and that crew hustles. I mean, they said that they were taking too long. I mean, it looked, it just appeared like it was just pending the physical. Right. And that was the last box to check off. And then apparently they were still working out some details. And Scott Boris said, look, here's the deadline. You know, I'm going to go talk to other teams and look, it's insane. Some of the quotes that have been posted uh, by national writers like Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, uh, John Heim, Heyman, who, who, uh, who broke the news overnight. What also, what are you doing up at 3 a.m. in the morning? 3 a.m. in the morning. I know Steve Cohen's in Hawaii, but uh, saying that, you know, Scott Boris said that he gave the Giants 
ample time to, you know, fix it or figure out a new way to go about the deal. And then the Mets swooped in and, and, and Carlos Correa spurns the Giants. In the Mets, man. I mean, this. It's in, insane. Buck, it, this, I mean, it, it, they put Buck in a situation where if he doesn't show out, he's going to get put out. Like, yeah, with that lineup, true. with that much talent, I mean, if he was already kind of, not in the hot seat, but, you know, people were questioning after this year when they came up short. Now, she's you're spending that much money. Um, you know, you're moving Correa over to third base, presumably. That's yep. That's crazy. 12 years, $315 million. The Mets now have a projected payroll um, of around $384 million for next year. Luxury tax payments alone will exceed $111 million. So the total payroll for next season is just south of $500 million, mm-hmm. half a billion. You have to win. You have to win. <laughs> the previous baseball... The max in baseball, according to Jeff Passan, was three hundred fifty million, and the net, and the Mets are creeping up on half a billion dollars in payroll alone, and they have spent eight hundred and six point one million dollars in free agents on free agents this offseason, and it's not even the new year yet. They're not playing around. They're not playing around, <laughs> Steve. Co- and this was the thing that you and I talked about two years ago, right? When Steve Cohen bought the team, and he's he said, "Spend money." He's gonna spend money. And he said, "This is not a good sign for anyone in baseball." Well, I mean, it's a good sign if you're a guy like Carlos Correa or Justin Verlander right. but or Max Scherzer, but like especially the Nationals and, and the way that these two franchises are now just flip-flop directions where the Mets are skyrocketing and price is no object and the Nationals are in a full rebuild mood and price is very much an object for them. And it's just going to be a difficult couple of years and you're probably going to see the Mets competing for World Series year in and year I out. I wonder what the Giants are thinking now. Yeah. You know, like, are they upset because they just sat on their hands, kind of? Is this now twice that this has happened to them? Because it wasn't as severe or dramatic, I guess, with Aaron Judge. But everyone thought that, you know, it seemed like, I mean, there was the whole Heyman misreporting thing. Right. Okay, whatever. But still, everyone, you know, it was like, oh, the Giants are in on Aaron Judge. And the next thing you know, he's resigning. And it was officially announced today as uh, the next captain for the New York Yankees. And then it's also ironic that it's two, the two New York teams are the ones that are doing it right. to the Giants. And uh, they had this mega contract. It's also bizarre that Correa is taking less years and less money in a less a lower AAV exactly. to go to the Mets. Then, right. I mean, was... And the what I read, and we don't have a lot of details like some of the Mets and Giants reporters do have, but from what I've understood, a few articles I've read before we went on air on Twitter, it was an old injury that cropped up um, and Carlos Correa's medical and no other of his previous, you know, more recent injuries were an issue. It was an old injury that cropped up and derailed the whole thing. I was like, how do you let that happen? Right. I don't understand. I just, I don't understand. And they're, they're just dying to pay somebody. Yeah. And I mean, they're not going to be Carlos Correa. It's not the same thing because I mean, I guess with the new scheduling rules next year, it doesn't really matter, but like, you know, the Mets and the Yankees aren't in the same league division so they don't you know they don't play each other but like same town Mets have always been looked at as a little brother there's definitely a to little. the Yankees and then on the west coast I mean the Giants and the Dodgers are in the same division the Giants have always looked like the little brother to the Dodgers true. who spend a lot of money and this was the year they're going to spend a lot of money that's true and they missed out on two of the top free agents on the market so it'll be interesting to see what they do now and couldn't resign Carlos Rodon who then went to the Yankees right <laughs> so it was just a whirlwind of 12 to 18 hours between Everybody woke up a Correa like, press conference in San Francisco to now maybe a Correa press conference in Queens in a couple of days or, or maybe in between Christmas and New Year. Set your alarms at 
early right? <laughs> every day this off season. Yeah, like I hope John Hammond gets some sleep. I don't know how they do that. I well, mean, I know they're in contact with the agents and they kind of have yeah. an, a feel for it, but still. Yeah. Like, when do you sleep? You, I'd be like, I'd lay in bed just like waiting for something to happen. Yeah. You'd be like so paranoid you're going to miss it. Well, I guess that's why he's on MLB Network and here we're on our, yeah. on our podcast. In our little podcast. Yeah, on our little podcast. I slept good last night. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I didn't have to stress. I mean, I'm always stressed about in the sense that, you know, now Correa is going to play and Lindor and Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer and Peter. I mean, Peter division. And we thought, you know, oh, the Phillies are making moves, signing Trey Turner and going to try to defend their NL pennant. And now here the Yankees are like, nope, we're still the top dogs. I mean, I know Dansby Swansea uh, is, is out of the division, but you can still expect the Braves to be competitive every right. single. I mean, it's just going to be, you know, I guess the solace in the fact for the Nationals fans would be, you know, the Nationals weren't going to be competitive over these next handful of years anyway. So it's not like you had expectations and now are just going to be, you know, are being shut down by teams that are spending more. The Nationals weren't going to be competitive right now. So it's like, all right, well, this is their window. Go for it. And hopefully by the time the Nationals are next competitive, the division will slow down, kind of slow bit. down a little bit. And maybe these guys will be on the further end of those contracts yeah. and not looking as, as sharp. That's, that's a good point. That's a positive way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, this is what technically Max Scherzer's last year in New York, right? I mean, he's getting, then he's right. in the third year is an option year. So, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, he could opt out and test the market again if he has another strong year, competes for a Cy Young. I, I don't know. It's just it's it's jaw dropping how much money's been spent, not just by the Mets and the Yankees, and but like all of baseball compared to what we've seen the last the market. This it's just insane. two seasons, obviously with of COVID and the lockout, but now teams are just like we are spending and we are going to build it winners with expanded playoffs, with all the playoff revenue coming yep. in. With all of these superstar for agents that are betting on themselves and winning. Right. That's Judge, Correa, the same thing. The length of these contracts, it just baffles me though. 12 years, or it was going to be 13 years. 2035. So you're 41 years old yeah. for some of these players. Playing third base or shortstop. I mean, oh, that's insane. Um, it's a lot of money. It's, it's, it's stunning, really. I mean, obviously, if you are interested more in uh, all that going on, you know, check out all the national writers, but uh, we will focus more on the national side. Hey, the nationals made a, a signing little- yesterday, <laughs> uh, finally announcing Erasmo Ramirez, bringing him back on a one year deal. Looks like he'll earn up to about $2 million uh, with incentives this season. Um, this was one of the main, <laughs> you know, coming off the heels of that Korea conversation, it's kind of sad to say, but this is one of the main free agents we targeted for the Nationals this offseason. One of the in-house guys that we thought they should definitely bring back. And this is almost the exact kind of deal that we laid out for him. A one-year deal mm -hmm. between $1 million and $2 million incentive-laden. Um, he was one of the best relievers in all of baseball last year uh, when he was strictly a reliever. And um, he was a Nationals pitcher of the year. And he gets rewarded for that uh, with a close to $2 million deal to come back on one-year Yeah, when we were looking at the list of those names, Erasmo Ramirez was the one Sherlock that the Nationals kind of had to bring back in a surprisingly pretty decent bullpen in 2022. He was the absolute workhorse of this bullpen. He threw over 86 innings. Finished with a 292 ERA and a whip just over one. Um, he made two spot starts for the Nationals. He pitched in every role out of the bullpen. Um, you kind of had to bring him back. You got him for cheap. And I think he'll be, you know, at least he can eat up innings in 2023. So many innings. He was one of only three major league relievers to post an ERA under three while pitching at least 75 innings. So that's a very impressive. And that's 
what the Nationals are going to need. I mean, because again, we're not expecting too much out of this young rotation. Trevor Williams, hopefully, will revert back to being an inning eater himself. But you know, you can't count on Patrick Corbin. Still unsure, but I mean, we we, we believe that Mackenzie Gore, Kate Cavalli are still going to be studs down the line. But first full major league seasons, you can't like we saw with Josiah Gray this past this past year. You know, he's gonna they're they're likely to fade at the end of the season. So you're going to need relief guys like an Erasmo Ramirez to fill all sorts of role, pitch multiple innings if he needs to, um, or just go out and be that bridge guy between um, the starter and the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, not only is your rotation really young, but you have two of those young guys coming back from injury. So you're going to need those types of arms out of the bullpen. Erasmo Ramirez is one, and I think the Nationals will be happy to have him back. The Nationals also agreed to terms with Tanner Rainey, Avoiding arbitration, Tanner Rainey probably won't be back till what middle of the season. You think Bobby had Tommy yeah. John at the end of this past season, um, but in his time during last season, converted twelve of sixteen save opportunities. Um, the Nationals will hope that he can kind of take on that late in a role uh, when he returns. Yeah, it's kind of Davey Martinez says this a lot. Um, I think he said it more recently at the winter meetings, kind of referring to Steven Strasburg. But it's like getting Tanner Rainey back hopefully mid-season if, if his recovery goes well, will be kind of like, you know, a surprise free agent addition or like right. a trade, not a trade because he didn't give anything up, but like, you know, as someone who, and again, he'll be going to a part of this Nationals roster that we now expect to be the strength still. Mm -hmm. So he will be reinforcements to an already strong portion of this roster uh, if he can revert back to the Tanner Rainey that we saw in 2020, parts of 2021. And, you know, you mentioned the 12 of 16 save opportunities, I believe you said. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not perfect, but he, and it never was seemed to be perfectly clean, Right. but he did get the job done a lot. And, um, you know, he talked a lot about his fastball placement, stuff like that. If he f gets that back, Tanner Rainey can be an effective reliever, even closer. And, but while he's still on the injured list rehabbing, you have guys like Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr. who can fill those late inning roles and, and pitched really well down the stretch last year in Rainey's absence. Right. I'm sure they hope that he can, you know, get back into that closer role. I'm sure when he comes back in the middle of the season, they're not going to thrust him right into that. Um, but hopefully as it progresses, he'll be able to take that on and get back to that great year he had in 2020. He actually turns 30 on Christmas Day, so happy birthday, Tanner Rainey, coming up. Uh, and he was now reportedly going to earn a $1 million and a half dollars, one and a half million dollars in arbitration, which was his projected salary through arbitration by MLB trade rumors. So pretty even um, money right there for a one-year contract for Tanner Rainey coming back in his age 30 season um, next year. Another roster move, and this is going to kind of get into a little bit bigger part of the conversation we're going to talk, is that uh, the Nationals did announce that infielder Lucius Fox cleared waivers um, and was assigned to AAA Rochester. Um, he was designated for assignment last week when the Nationals claimed right-hander AJ Alexi off of waivers from the Rangers, clearing a spot on the 40-man roster for him. Um, this has been a reoccurring thing for the Nationals this offseason. We just talked about all the big signings made in free agent by these teams that are spending. We knew that's not what the Nationals were going to do this year. We knew there were going to be a lot of minor league deals, some shorter-term contracts. You see Trevor Williams, Jamie Candelario um, using the Rule 5 draft, um, Stone Garrett, stuff like that. But, you know, to make space on the 40-man roster, you know, you can't option players down in the offseason. They can only have them during season. All the guys that were on the 60-man roster that don't count toward the 40-man in-season are activated and can't be on the injured list when not in season. So it's a lot of like 
moving around pieces to fit 40 guys on this 40-man roster when you make claims like this. And Fox was one of the guys that got sent down. And we've seen this multiple times now where the Nationals are sending young players onto the waiver wire Mm -hmm. because they have to to make spot on the 40-man. And the Nationals get to keep them. They've they've gone through and and stay in the organization. But I think, as I wrote on MassInSports.com this morning, it does say a lot about what other teams think of the Nationals young players, prospects, player development, stuff like that, because these guys are not highly sought out by other teams. Right. Lucius Fox, I mean, he's not going to be a waiver claim. Similar to Gerardo Carrillo, one of the players that the Nationals uh, DFA'd this this week. He was one of the players that came back in that Max Scherzer, uh, Trey Turner trade. Um, you know, did it make it higher than double A this season and struggled pretty bad in double A when 0-5 uh, ERA, what craziness. Um, yeah, I think it was about 12. Yeah, really struggled in, in double A. Another guy that just is not a sought after player. 12, 11, 11 and, 11 and 32. Yeah, not great. And 10, <laughs> only 10 games though. Yeah. And you know, Carrillo is one of now, now two players from that Max Scherzer, Trey Turner deal with the Dodgers to get DFA by the Nationals and stay with the organization. Uh, Casey Donovan, uh, nope, I always, I always do that. Donovan, Donovan Casey, Casey, always do that. Yep. Um, was actually activated to the major league roster in the early parts of this season, never made his debut, sent back down. It was DFA'd, um, I believe right after the trade deadline in uh, early August, and then was sent back down to AAA Rochester where he, he struggled again um, late in the season. And, you know, I obviously the two main pieces of that trade back in 2021 were Josiah Gray and K-Bear Ruiz. But Casey and... Korea or our depth pieces, you know, you're giving up. Of course, we know Max Scherzer was a future Hall of Famer. At the time, Trey Turner was an all-star shortstop. And so you need the best package available. And the Nationals thought they were getting the best package available. But then you get two guys that you felt comfortable enough DFAing and sending through waivers and no one else claimed them. So no one else seemed to think highly of these guys. Like, I know there's a lot of minute details around these, like, you know, because, uh, Casey was DFA'd around the trade deadline. Guys, uh, teams already had fold rosters, yada, yada, yada. But the fact that some of these guys are just going pretty easily through waivers and back to the minor league system is both a good and a bad thing in my mind. Right. When you're looking at just that trade, I mean, kind of the eyes are off the Donovan Casey's and Carrillo because... It, you got Caber Ruiz, your starting catcher, Correct. and Josiah Gray, really your best starter. So you, you, when you're evaluating that trade, you're kind of happy if these are two, you know, centerpieces of your team moving forward. But it does say about the other talent that you got back, um, and the fact that you know not only do you really not value them that highly, but across the league they're not valued that highly. Right. The Nationals have removed 11 players from the 40-man roster this year or this off season, just through the, these past couple of months. And only one of them has been assigned to another team. That's Josh Palacios, who was selected in the rule five phase or the triple a phase of the rule five draft uh, by the pirates. Um, going back a couple of ways, remember Tres Barrera and Francisco Perez cleared waivers were assigned to triple a. They both elected free agency. They're both minor league free agents right now. Of course, could always re-sign with the Nationals. Seems unlikely because the, for Barrera's sake, we talked about, they have some catching depth right now. They don't really need Tres Barrera. Um, and Francisco Perez never really panned out after he was a waiver claim from the Cleveland a couple of off-seasons ago. Um, they had to move guys. They released Seth Romero. We talked about him. That's a little bit of a different issue because of all of his off-field stuff. 
So that's not surprising that no other team has taken a chance right. on him. But that goes back to the fact that you know they took a, the Nationals took a chance on him, didn't work out. Maybe not the best choice drafting him in the first round. Yeah, the roster moves I don't think are my concern. You know, you have to make room. It, it they're making additions. You know, they're trying to get mm-hmm. better. So you know, you have to clear space. That's just how it works. I don't think that's the amount of roster moves. Eleven guys is that the big issue? It's just who those guys are and the type of talent they are and okay. how it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, look, look at other guys like the guys that they moved off the forty man to make room uh, to protect. There's some of the younger players from the uh, mm-hmm. Rule 5 draft. Yadiel Hernandez, Jackson Tetro, and Evan Lee. Yadiel is a mid-30s outf- corner outfielder who's really going to take a chance on him. But Jackson Tetro and Evan Lee are young pitchers coming off of injuries, though. And mm-hmm. so it's like that then ties back into the other part of the <laughs> conversation of, well, the Nationals struggle with injuries. And, no, I mean, you know, they left um, Mason Dunnenberg available for the rule five draft and no one took a chance on him because he has an injury history and the nationals took a chance on someone with an injury history. Um, so it, it is, I don't know. It's a part uh, of a bigger oh, issue. Correct. And it's an issue that we, that seems to come up a lot, mm-hmm. at least a couple of times this off season when we've discussed some of the roster moves that are made, some of the guys that have passed through the organization, some of the guys that have been able to just go pass back down to the minor league system. Again, keeping guys in, you know, if you're bringing these guys in and you're keeping them in house, that is generally a good thing, but you have other teams. Like look at the Orioles, for example, who have one of the deepest minor league systems in all of baseball and a stacked 40 man roster now and a, a team that's looking to compete. Mm-hmm. They can't just pass some of these guys through waivers because teams are going to claim them right. because they are known around baseball to now have one of the best development staffs in all of the league and one of some of the best talent too. So the nationals are struggling and I feel like at some point that's going to catch up to them where it's going to be hard to rebuild. I mean, you can always of course cut ties with some of these guys to make space for other players that you know you think are going to be productive down the line, but I guess my point is that you know why take why are these guys here to begin with? Then if 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 they're not going to be, I just feel like they're setting themselves back. Right. I mean, if some of this these names you can kind of live with if it was a waiver claim or you know mm-hmm. some of these the older guys, but it's the young players that they're supposed to be developing that are passing through waivers. I think that is the bigger concern. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I think we should be more concerned about like, like the Evan Lees, like the yeah Yasiel and Tuna. Yep. Yep. And Evan Lees and, and Tatro. I mean, they both again coming off injuries, but but still those are, you know, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean like, and we say all the time with, with a waiver claim, the nationals claimed. So, and so like, um, AJ Alexi, he perfect example. If he doesn't pan out, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a waiver claim. But then like you have to go back to, well, who do they kick off the roster to make? Well, there's Lucius Fox. Okay. Lucius Fox doesn't pan out either. That's fine. But like, you know, it's, Every move has a counter move, you know? And so it, it's, it's, I know it's hard to be very calculated right now at this stage in the rebuild, but you have to make sure you're making upgrades and it's going to look worse with some of these guys eventually do end up on other teams and then pan out. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, I know it's a whole thing, rebuilding this entire player development staff. Um, now we're not even, we're about to enter the first, the second full year of this rebuild, just finishing the first full year. So it is going to take some time, but I think fans do want to see some form of progress. Um, and the fact that a lot of these guys don't seem to be, um, even the guys that they just let go as free agency, like Barrera and Perez, not being claimed by anybody. And so like, you know, Barrera was supposed to be one of the guys for a long time. They thought very highly of them. We were waiting. Clearly no other team thought that no other team thought that uh, Barrera was going to pan out to be like a, a major league catcher, unfortunately. So I guess that will get us into our wish list, Bobby. Our wish list. 
<laughs> I wish another team would claim a player from the national. <laughs> no, I do not. Cause um, I think, uh, you know, again, keeping him in my house still has some merit. Yeah. It's just an interesting conversation to have to see why some of these guys don't get claimed. But yeah, with the holidays underway, you know, I know a lot of people are out there already celebrating their holidays and uh, Christmas is a couple of days away. New Year's. We want to do our, our yearly exercise of formulating a wish list for the 2023 season. What the national, we hope the nationals accomplish this year. Um, and I, I'll start, I guess, like, because the whole focus is the minor league system and rebuilding, but you, Amy, you and I talked so much about injuries this past year. I know injuries happens to every single team, even teams like the Mets and the Yankees are, are go through stuff like this. So, but it did seem like a lot of young players, Tatro and Evan Lee, for example, their seasons were derailed. Kate Cavalli made one start. Uh, Mackenzie Gore never was able to make a start. A lot of them, AJ, uh, CJ Abrams finished the season on the injured list. A lot of them didn't weren't able to show fully what they had because of injuries. And I would just, just wishing for a, a healthier year mm-hmm. in 2023 for the nationals. So some of these younger guys can have full seasons, hopefully at the major league level and show a sign for fans and for us that they're, they can turn the corner and, and, you know, or maybe closer than we expect them to be. Yeah. It's, it was unfortunate. I mean, some of it had to be expected because every single name that you just listed kind of, not every pitcher you named, not including CJ Abrams had injury history. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't, sometimes if you're lucky that just goes away, but especially with pitchers that doesn't usually just go away. So it, it wasn't necessarily surprising, but it was unfortunate just the sheer amount of injuries, especially that the nationals pitchers and their top pitching prospects face. So I know in 2023, uh, Mike Rizzo, Davey Martinez, everybody is hoping that they have a much healthier season and that expands to some of the veteran guys too i mean i i think we talk about steven strasburg <laughs> trying to come back from thoracic outlet syndrome and, and surgery you know that might be like a, a miracle right i mean if to have him pitch at some point next year but the nationals would take it if somehow yeah. he can get back and that, if we're just <laughs> making a wish list right now somehow strasburg can get back to pitching next year uh, the nationals would take that because of of course his contract but also how much he would actually help this pitching staff being the Steven Strasburg of old. Yeah. Cole Henry, another pitcher that really, you know, the nationals were really high on that. They need to pan out. Yeah. Um, so they'll, they need him to come back. Sean Doolittle won along those lines. Cause his season was cut short due to an injury too. did not have Tommy John surgery and back on a minor league deal. Also, did you see him and his wife, Aaron were named Washingtonians, yes. uh, Washington magazines, uh, Washingtonians of the year for their service in the cities. That's pretty cool. But, um, Having him healthy, like, you know, the bullpen, like we talked about, not necessarily needed. You know, Sean Doolittle's not going to be needed, but it would be nice to have mm-hmm. Sean Doolittle back, especially if he's able to come out, you know, the start of the season with Tanner Rainey still out, help that back end of the bullpen. But so, yeah, what my main wish is just let's try to get everyone as healthy as possible yeah. and have them play as much as possible so we can actually have true evaluation. Because, you know, we try to do some of our prospect evaluations at the end of the season, Amy, and like, how many incompletes did we hand out? You know, Kate Cavalli was an incomplete. You know, we didn't know we what we got from him. Yeah, could he even grade Evan Lee or Jackson Tatra? You know, uh, we were able to grade C.J. Abrams because he played the last two months of the season, but he ended up on the injured list. So, you know, we're in that evaluation phase of this rebuild world. They've got young talent on the Major League roster and coming up still. Well, it's hard to evaluate them if they don't play. Yeah, so my 
my wish list is kind of mostly stuff that they need to do in the off season before okay. we get until next season. Um, and one of them is they need to sign a big bat. They have to do that, I think. And that, you know, can go along with hitting for more power in 2023. They're going to have to. Lane Thomas of the players that remain, we're still on the roster at the end of the season, led with 17 home runs. And that was across a whole season. Joey Manessis hit 13. That was, of course, in half a season. You can't go into 2023 and expect Joey Manessis to be your big bat. Um, I think they have to go out and target somebody just to be able to compete in this division in 2023. And then maybe you can get somebody... Don't nece- they don't have to necessarily go after the cheapest guy. Maybe they could sign somebody for like a little bit more. I don't think they are given the fact that they uh, non-tender Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, somebody that you can potentially flip at the deadline. Right. Yeah. I, that's that's like ideally would be a um, Jamie Candelario scenario, mm-hmm. right? Someone flipping at there. But if he is just a doubles machine again, maybe getting closer to 20 homers again, that's someone you could possibly flip. I mean, I guess I would off that I would just be like you know maybe more successful in the free agent market this year than they did last year because I look at a lot of guys like if talk about some of their major free agent signings going into this past season Cesar Hernandez Michael Franco Steve Shishek those guys did not pan out those right. guys did not work so now you're looking at you need a Candelario to pan out you need uh, Trevor Williams, Williams to work out you know hopefully Thad Ward as your Rule Five pick contributes. Um, they signed a handful of minor league guys, including old friend Matt Adams last week. So maybe Matt Adams pans out and is able to be a productive backup first baseman, DH role, whatever that you could possibly flip. I know he's getting up there in age and he has, he didn't play in the major leagues this past season, but you know, we, we've seen him do it before. And obviously the nationals know that he can do it. He can play a productive first base and, and provide that power back. But yeah, maybe just more success in their free agent signings than we saw last year would be a a wish of mine because the three main guys they started the season off with last year, I remember Franco was a minor league deal, so he wasn't even supposed to be like one of their big guys and ended up having to play because Carter Keebum got hurt, um, adding to that injury wish list. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe these three guys pan out more than the last three crop. But yeah, adding someone else would definitely help along the way. Kind of going off of that um, in a way that the Nationals can make better decisions and better signings is that they added 18 new positions um, in their player development and their analytics department. Um, The Nationals have always been behind the eight ball. They kind of prided themselves on that for a little bit and that they were, you know, Mike Rizzo loved the idea of being a true scout and the eye test and but they've just gotten farther and farther behind the eight ball when it comes to to their analytics department and their data department and so they need to make new additions and I think completing that staff you know going into 2023 hiring all of those positions um, and kind of playing catch up in 2023 will help them you know evaluate their talent better develop their talent better um, you know and catch up with the rest of the league yeah and then you know, the one area they actually do do that pretty well is the international department. When the international signing period opens up again, I believe in January, you know, bringing in some more top. I mean, that's where they got a Christian Vercaro last year, one of the top prospects coming out of the international market. Uh, adding that way has always been a, one of their strengths. And that's For where sure. their, their player development and scouting actually has been one of the best in the league. So that continuing along, but then adding what you're just talking about to Amateur scouting, uh, the draft. You get the number two overall pick in the draft this year, so you're going to get either the best pitcher or the best position player, um, and that's got to be a hit. I mean, I feel like it's hard to miss at that spot, but it's we've seen it happen. Um, I, no need to get cute. Let's add smart 
in, in a smart way yeah. to this farm system and like an Elijah Green and help build up this farm system. <laughs> yeah, let's just add that to the wish list too. Like a good draft this good year. Draft. You know, continuing to just draft better and better every year, especially as you move towards the front of the draft. Mm-hmm. You know, you're picking way higher than you have in a long time. They have to draft better. Have and that can better. start this year. Yeah, uh, because they have a long history of, we talked about, the first rounders that have not panned out, mm-hmm. first rounders that have injuries, especially with the pitchers. Um, so yeah, let's see. And you know, maybe a Brady House can bounce back. Elijah Green, his first full professional season. These guys maybe start flying up the ranks and show. Okay, future is closer than we, we possibly mm-hmm. see. Um, any more wishes relating to the major league roster? No, I don't think so. Maybe just improve. I mean, uh, like, <laughs> I know, like, D- Davey and Mike Rizzo talked a lot about the winter meetings. Like, they do want to improve. Obviously, they want to win still. Like, you they know, want the win loss record. You know, Mike Rizzo right now is building for the future, but Davey's everyday job is winning that day, going one to know that day. You know, he wants to improve that win loss record. You know, and we we talked a little bit about after the the baseball uh, draft lottery that you know the Nationals can't have a top six pick in twenty twenty four for the next draft lottery. So maybe play your way out of it anyways, and maybe don't finish with the last or the worst record in baseball just improving on the field that way too. right there has to be like small improvements every year of a rebuild in the yeah. you know your your record I mean look at the Orioles they kind of surprised a lot of people this year and yeah. came up just short of the playoffs uh, but it's very possible that they miss the playoffs next year you right. know it's it's not it doesn't you just click like that you have to make slow improvements every single year so that's something that the Nationals hopefully they made additions and the hope is that that improves with their their wins at the big league. Yeah, we have seen teams rebuilding, um, like you said, make faster improvements, mm-hmm. you know, be, be a year ahead of schedule or so. And we know that there's no timeline for this Nationals rebuild, but if you were able to, you know, somehow get out of like the, the bottom five mm-hmm. next year, maybe don't finish last in the division somehow, you know, beat the Marlins more than once in the course right. of the season. Um, and, you you know, you can have a better, a better quote unquote, better year next year and show that progress is being made maybe at a faster pace than initially expected. Um, I think my last like big thing was for the off season is that I hope that they sell the team. Oh, that needs to be sold. Like, yeah. Get it done. Get it. Well, sell with. the team or just resolve or, the situation or resolve the situation, I guess. But you know, you can't, it's, I, I don't, I can't imagine being Mike. I mean, I'm guessing they just told him act as normal, you know, do your normal off season things but that has to be hard and it's really hard if you're launching a rebuild and you know trying to start fresh and build this but you don't even know what you're building on you yeah. know or who's building it with you yeah. um i think if they get that solved you know i think that'll clear up a lot of things yeah there's uh that's a great one i think i mean that should be closer to the top of our wish list i i, I think because it that would make everyone's job easier mm-hmm. Knowing whether, I mean, it, and like I said, that's why it doesn't have to be sell the team, just resolve it. Knowing that, okay, the learners are here to stay, to be the owners, or they're bringing in a new partner, or they're selling the team altogether. You know, Mark Zuckerman had a couple of good articles, I think, from the winter meeting saying that, you know, there is a sense of frustration in the building that it ha- has been solved yet mm-hmm. um, for Mike Rizzo and his people because they don't have a very clear understanding of what's going to happen, you know, how much money they can spend. Um, you know, what kind of contracts they can try to offer players and dish out. And that's been frustrating for them. And, and obviously there's been a lot of frustration for fans. Mm-hmm. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen it on comments on the blog, I, I, everywhere that fans are frustrated as well, that there hasn't at least been an update about what's happening. And you're seeing other teams being sold 
um, that are for sale being sold at a, at a fast rate or quicker than the nationals have. We're getting close to seven or eight months since they announced it. And there hasn't been really an update on where they stand right now. And I know that, you know, it's not easy to just put together the right group and go buy a team. Yeah. Um, but they were so clear when, when it came out that, you know, they were selling the team. Yeah. And it kind of seemed like at this point in the offseason, we would at least know more about yeah. the state of the organization. Everyone in the know, you know, from Mark, from writers at the Post, from national writers, seem to say, yeah, it, they're, they're going to sell. Mm-hmm. And now we just have anything clear about that yet so that's a big one that still hovers over this franchise and you know i not that it's gonna completely hinder everything else that we just kind of asked for but it that's probably the big one that has to fall i mean like you said mike Reno only update so much until this is all, all and then once you change ownership the fate of the whole front office is yeah, kind of true. up in the air and if you're you know trying to build something and trying to rebuild here it that could just completely shake things up. Then I'll add one real quick. I, I wish for some clarity on that part for Mike's and Davey's sake, because oh. we don't want them going into a lame duck year. Right. Um, you and I have talked a couple of times about how, uh, you know, it. what's good is doing this rebuild. If Davey and Mike Rizzo aren't going to be here at the end of next season, you know, their contract options were picked up by the learners, but if not the learners owning the team by the end of next season, like you just said, someone can come in and clean house. Um, so like, you know, you never want a general manager or a manager, nonetheless, both operating without any clear vision of the future. Cause every, and that's the case. Every time Mike or Davey steps in front of a microphone and says, well, we're working toward the future, working toward the future. How can you do that? You don't even know your future, right? You know, and that's not going to get to them. That's just a fact. It's like, you know, you don't even know if you're going to be here. How can you know, you build yeah. towards something you don't even know that you're going to be around for. And that's just not bad for them and their it careers, but it, it's it's bad for the organization yeah. too, you know, yeah. and wh- where they're trying to go. So, yeah. you know, hopefully they get that all figured out. So that's a for sure something that needs to be cleared up. That would be, I'm going to bump that up to the top of my wish list. Okay. Because we have that number one. It's also because, <laughs> number one. Santa, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also because like on a personal level, it's like no matter where I go, oh, so what's happening with the ownership? I, I don't know. Great I question. You know as much as I do. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's our wish list. Uh, please comment in the comment sections anything you want to see from the Nationals this offseason or going into next year, something you're looking forward to watching in the 2023 season um, as spring training gets underway just a couple months away. I can't believe the next time you and I talk, we'll be like a month and a half that's from crazy. spring training or pitchers and catchers reporting to West Palm Beach. Um, we're going to be taking a break next week, the week between Christmas and New Year's Eve. So hopefully you'll have plenty of time to catch up on any podcasts you miss on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Hopefully you're subscribed to the Mass and All Access podcast. At Amy Jennings News on Twitter for Amy. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Mass and Nationals across the board. Any breaking news between now and then, of course, we'll have it covered on Mass and National's social media account at Mark Zuckerman. Um, he'll be back from his vacation starting Christmas Day um, through the new year. And um, we'll be back in two weeks after the new year with new podcasts. The Hot Stove Show will return. All of our content will be back after next week break. So it'll be a nice time to get relaxed, mm-hmm. but then get rejuvenated and refreshed for the last like what six weeks of the off season. That'd be pretty exciting. Baseball's coming soon. Yeah. Uh, Big thanks to Brendan Mortensen for producing the show behind the scenes. And of course the mass and all access podcast is brought to you by Toyota for legendary safety and reliability. Choose Toyota and let's go places for Amy. I'm Bobby. Happy new year. Have a safe and happy holiday and we'll see you in 2023.